Well, we are hopefully inching closer towards a college football season, and let's say hello and welcome on Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. He's joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. And as we approach the season, if you could, please take a second out, leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast, and we will get you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. I promise you we're doing it. We're sending them out every week. We just uh, want all of your grassroots help, and that's a big way that you can directly help this show continue to expand. Leave us a rating and review. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you just uh, take a screenshot of your rating and review and send it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for that, guys. All right, Adam, I know this thing is changing every day, right? But we're sitting here in early, mid-July. And what do you think the prospects are of a full and regular college football season as we sit here right now? Yeah, you know, a full season is going to be tough. I think we're going to see some adjustments. We're going to see you know, the, the leagues that choose to play in the fall having some interruptions at times. I think the, the likeliest path forward, you know, especially for the leagues that have the resources to do testing and can, can kind of – they can control the outbreaks that are probably inevitable um, is, is to go conference only. I think it's the safest uh, and, and, and most prudent way to do this in the fall, um, given all the uncertainty out there, because you know, the conferences are in regular communication. Their schools have a idea uh, and really more than an idea, real information about what each other can provide from a testing standpoint, where they're at as far as positive cases and so forth. Um, so I think that just the fact that they've been planning as leagues, for quite some time, many of them have their own medical groups with uh, with representation from all the campuses that are uh, providing input on how to test and how to safely put on competition. So I, I really believe that in the fall, we're not going to see uh, many, if any, uh, non-conference games. It's going to be conference only. And then, um, you know, some leagues may, may push to the spring. And what would that mean? I mean, think about the non-conference and all those big checks that power five teams right to the smaller uh, conference schools. I mean, how devastating would that be for college football outside of the Power Five? Yeah, you know it would be devastating. But again, I think you know if you're a, if you're a Power Five school, you can't really worry about that. And obviously, there's some contracts that uh, will have to be um, you know assessed individually you know, based on the language. But you have to worry about you know your own program and finding a way to have a season as safely as possible. And you know maybe that still includes a non-conference game here or there. But I know that there's concerns. You know, given how the virus is different in different parts of the country about either having to travel to play a non-conference opponent or having a non-conference opponent come and play at your stadium, uh, maybe without the same types of resources that you have to ensure safety. And so you know, that's going to have to be you know, an, individual, an individual decision, I would think, unless conferences just go say, hey, no one's going to play non-conference. We're just going to play each other. And that's that. But it certainly does have impact. And you know, it furthers the discussion that we've had for several years about the Power Five uh, you know, at some point in the future possibly breaking off on its own because the revenue, uh, the revenue differences are just that wide um, for, for most of the Power Five schools, uh, you know, as opposed to, to many of the Group of Five schools. So that could be, you know, that, you know, obviously no one, no one wanted this, but that could be a consequence of, of, of the situation we're in right now. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, is joining us here. All right, Adam, with the Big 12, uh, as you look at this conference right now, how many teams uh, can you make a case for possibly uh, being crowned Big 12 champions? 
Right. Well, I think it all depends on how much Oklahoma maybe falls back. You know, Oklahoma has been the dominant program in the conference and, uh, you know, they, they should still be very good in, in many respects, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, unless they fall back and the teams start beating them more often, uh, you know, it's hard to see anybody uh, other than the Sooners being the Big 12 champions. Now, I think Texas has a real chance to take a step forward this year. They have you know, one of the nation's best quarterbacks in Sam Ellinger some really good pieces around him. I, I like some of the changes that Tom Herman made on the staff, uh, bringing in Mike Yurcich in particular from Ohio State, who had a, a really good role in developing Justin Fields into one of the nation's top quarterbacks last year. And so I, I think Texas has, a, has an opportunity to, to compete for the, the conference. You know, Oklahoma State is really interesting. I know they've had a lot of things go on here in the offseason, but you, you still have uh, you know, the nation's best running back in many people's eyes in Shuba Hubbard. You know, exciting young quarterback. You have one of the nation's better receivers and really one of the nation's better receiving cores led by Tylen Wallace. And then a defense that, you know, you talk to big 12 coaches, they, they really saw some improvement at the end of last year. So I think those three teams you know, certainly jump up. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Kansas State performs in year two under Chris Kleiman. It'd be interesting to see if TCU bounces back. Uh, you know, after a couple of uh, kind of mediocre down years under Gary Patterson. So, but, but again, unless Oklahoma, I think struggles, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even more so than they did, um, at, you know, at the end of last year, uh, it's just hard to see anybody uh, beating them. And Baylor is another team I'll throw in there. Baylor with Charlie Brewer back, uh, even though they went through a coaching change and haven't been together very much. I love Dave Aranda and what he can do on the defensive side of the ball. So Baylor, certainly a team that, that is in that mix. So, Adam, when you look at uh, the Oklahoma Sooners and you say, okay, how, how big is that step back? Spencer Rattler's that quarterback. We know that they've won five straight Big 12 titles. They've been to, you know, a couple of college football playoffs here as of late. They've gotten blown out, though, in those college football playoffs. Do you think that's a bad look for the Big 12 that that has happened, or is that overstated? No, it's a bad look because, you know, that's your best team, and when they're on the national stage, they're not performing uh, to, to uh, you know, the ability of, of, of a national champion. And that's what everybody wants. And, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Oklahoma needs to ultimately get better on defense. They need better players. They need more consistency. Um, and they lose some really good players off of last year's defense, uh, you know, especially Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore in the front seven. You know, I think Alex Grinch is a really good coach, and I think he's going to continue to improve that unit. But they just need more talent. And, you know, the, you know whether it's said publicly or privately, it's, it's known around that program. They just haven't been good enough on that side of the ball. And that's been exposed in some of those national games. And it's why I think that they are catchable in the Big 12, uh, because you look at the talent that Texas has on defense. It hasn't always performed that way. But they, they, they can be good enough defensively, especially with Chris Ash as a new coordinator, to be, uh, I think, a Big 12 champion and a team that gets into the playoff. I also think Baylor, um, you know, what they were able to do, you know, improving their defense under Matt Rule, I don't see that side of the ball dropping off uh, very far under Dave Veranda. You know, Dave's a guy that's uh, worked all over the country. Uh, he, he, he was the one that really got Wisconsin's defense to where it is right now, where they're annually one of the nation's best units. He obviously did great work at LSU, and he's going to bring that style to Baylor. So, and then TCU's been a team that, that's been able to play a little defense under Gary Patterson. And you even saw that with Kansas State under Chris Kleiman. So, again, the Big 12 is becoming more of a, a league that you see complementary football. Oklahoma has to make that jump, or else it's going to be the same thing where, sure, they can win the Big 12, but when you get on the stage with, you know, an LSU last year, an Alabama the year before, uh, you're not good enough defensively to really compete with a team like that. 
Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, is joining us. Uh, Adam, you mentioned there Chris Ash, Texas. Uh, they've got new coordinators on both sides of the ball, of course, under Tom Herman. When you look at Tom Herman and the Big 12 title game appearance of two years ago, the letdown last year, is there a hot seat for Tom Herman, or is that not until 2021 if things don't go well here in 2020? Yeah, I don't get the sense that there's um, a real appetite for a change at Texas, although whatever a coach has to make two coordinator changes, you know, it, it is a precursor to him being on the hot seat. Um, and, you know, it would be a real shame. I even tweeted this early last season and got some blowback from Texas fans. It would be a real shame if Texas goes through Sam Ellinger's career and doesn't finish with uh, a college football playoff appearance. Um, I think he's that good. I think he has, has that potential to, to, to be one of the nation's best players this year, best, best quarterbacks, I should say, best players. Um, and so if they, if they you know, can't get that done this year and, and say it's another year around you know, six, seven, eight wins, I don't, I don't sense the appetite for Chris Delcani to make a change there. But then Tom Herman does go into the 2021 season on the hot seat. I don't think we're going to see many coaching changes this year, to be honest, because it's so unusual. And all these departments are projecting major financial losses. Do they want to take on the expense of, of, of firing a coach with, uh, with a lot of money left on his contract? You know, we've seen it before, and I'm sure we'll see it at some places. But it would have to go really badly this year, I think, for Tom and Texas for him to, to really face pressure. I, I think that's more than reasonable as well. Uh, Adam Rittberg is our guest. So, Adam, uh, that's, that second tier, the Iowa States, the Baylors, the Oklahoma States, who's in there? You mentioned Dave Aranda. You follow this sport from a national level. Why are you buying Dave Aranda as a head coach of the Baylor Bears? Well, I think he inherits a, a really good situation um, from Matt Rule. And, uh, you know, Dave is not, um, you know, Dave's more of an understated personality, but he's really smart. And I think he's going to connect well with those players and, and, and just the Baylor community. I mean, I don't think he would have necessarily been the right coach uh, when Matt Rule arrived. I think they needed a guy that was a little bit more dynamic. But the fact is they, they're in a good position right now with, with the way that they improved last season. Uh, I know they lose you know, quite a lot on defense, but I, I just can't see that side of the ball ever falling off too far uh, with, with, with Dave there because I've seen what he's done you know, at multiple places and, and how he's improved those programs. And so um, I think Larry Fedora is a good hire for the offense. And they'll, 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 you know, he, Larry knows that part of the country. He's been at Oklahoma State. He's been in the Big 12. He's from the state of Texas. And so I, I just like the, the, the trajectory of that Baylor program to continue to, you know, be right, maybe in that second tier and then jump up to that first tier at times. And, um, you know, again, uh, yeah, I just think for, for right now, he, he's, he's, a, he's a really smart hire uh, with, you know, with some uncertainty around the league. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, how much longer Gary Patterson will be at TCU, what's going to happen with Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. I mean, they're, they're kind of in a, a weird spot right now. So I, I think, I think th there's a real opportunity for a school like Baylor to, um, to continue uh, to build on what Matt Rule did, which was really remarkable given what he inherited there. I got to follow up with that, uh, Adam. When you mention Gary Patterson, do you have any inkling that he's a guy that doesn't want to do this till he's 75 years old? Or what do you see happening there? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, Gary is a football guy. He's a very intense guy, and he's done an unbelievable job. He, he's one. Of, I, I, I did. I did a list of the best 25 coaching hires in college football over the last 25 years. And, you know, he was in my top 10. I mean, that, that's how impactful he's been at TCU. But, 
you know, I think it's a big year for them. Um, you know, they're not used to, uh, you know, to, 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 to performing like they have the last few seasons under his watch. And so what would a third, you know, kind of subpar season uh, do? You know, he, he's a guy that's never going to get fired, nor, nor should he. It's really in his, in his hands as far as, you know, how much longer he wants to do this. But, um, and I don't sense anything, you know, imminent, but it is just something to, to, to monitor. Things, things, things can change. The sport is a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, a guy like that that is, has, has won at such a high level for, for such a long time in multiple leagues and has elevated TCU to where it is in the Big 12, um, you, you, you just kind of think in the back of your mind, what would, it, what would it mean if they don't win again this year? Would he think about you know, either coaching somewhere else or, or, or maybe moving on? But I, I don't sense that, you know, you know he, he is, he's a grinder. He works really hard. And I don't, I don't see him as a guy that's, that's super anxious to, to, to step away from the game. Well, Adam, last thing for you, uh, four teams, second-year head coaches, as we look at Les Miles, KU, Chris Kleiman, K-State, Matt Wells, Texas Tech, and Neil Brown at West Virginia. Who can make the biggest year-two jump of those four? You know, I, I, I really like the potential at West Virginia. You know, with me, I love the hire of Neil Brown. I've known Neil for a while, followed him at Troy, and, and saw what he did there. He's a really smart guy, and I think his approach uh, over the long term will be – I think a very good one for West Virginia, you know, but I really did love what, what, Kent, what Chris Kleiman did. And, you know, he, he, you, know, you just look at his track record at, at North Dakota state and, um, and, and how, you know, his approach uh, to, 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 you know, winning the way that they did at Kansas state last year and running the ball and controlling the clock and, you know, playing defense and, and, and not overly relying on one area of your team. I think it's just a really smart way to, to be a relevant program at, at, at a place where you're not going to have the most talent in the league. Uh, very, very often. So, um, yeah, I, I think those two, I mean, really all four have the chance to, to make a jump, uh, you know, and I think, you know, we saw that with Kansas at times last year, uh, Texas Tech, it, it wasn't a great season, but I know they've added a lot uh, through the transfer portal. Um, you know, I think, I think Matt's a, a good coach there and, and they'll, they'll have some success under his watch, but I, I really like the, the probably of the four, I, I like the long-term potential most of West Virginia and Kansas State. He's Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. Adam, great to have you on. Really appreciate the time, and um, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk during a college football season. Thanks so much. Sounds good, Pete. Appreciate it. Great work there, Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. Appreciate his insights. And before you click out, please leave us that rating, review, subscribe. It really helps us out at the grassroots level. Keep building this show and, you know, beating up on all the big-wig media outlets and allowing our show to reach a bigger audience across the Big 12 footprint, which does help us. So if you do support the show and listen every week, I know a lot of you have yet to do it. So please make today the day. Leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we will get you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.